Hello, my friend. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I have another bone to pick with 2020. And that is that yesterday, the beloved, I'm not going to call her my beloved, but the beloved, Helen Reddy passed away. Another, another (laughs) feminist icon is gone. And this is particularly painful to me. I'm gonna have to go get some more socks to go with my RBG <laughs> socks. Yeah. I'm have to, I, I don't think they make Helen Reddy socks, but I'm, I don't know, I'm gonna have to make my own. They might but now. I, they might now, yeah, good point. I, <sighs> I'm so bummed. She was only 78, she was a year younger than my mom. And when I was a kid, we used to march around our living room. I'll never forget it. It's one of my earliest memories. Myself and my sister and my two brothers marching behind my mom to I Am Woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I am wise, but it's wisdom born of pain. Yes, I've paid a price, but look how much I've gained. If I have to, I can face anything. I have goosebumps, like, oh my gosh, and I guess that's it, that's just got to be the mantra for the next two months of this election. If I have to, I can face anything. So I guess that's how I'm landing in in this conversation today. Sad, but resolute. Not bad. I have to admit, I saw that pop up yesterday, and I thought, Oh, for the love of God, no. Mm-hmm. And I knew we'd be talking today and wow, it can't be two in a row. It's who's going to be next. It's going to be Betty or Dolly. I don't know. We need to go put some bubble wrap around those two ladies. Shoot. And you know, the Helen Reddy movies being touted or had been in the last few days. And I've got a third our 14 year old daughter and she was having a bad time a few weeks ago in the grand scheme of things, not a bad time, but for her a tough time. And we went for a drive and I just drove down the interstate faster than I should have. And we agreed to just play music really loud and scream and yell and sing as mom and daughter. And that's one of the songs we played. I love that you did that. Oh, but it just really, it wasn't her time for me, for her to pass. I was just getting my daughter into it. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Oh, that's just... I don't know what it, what is, what are we supposed to take from that? I guess, I guess it's a, it's a, I wonder if we're being told by the universe that it's time for us to take the mantle Mm. and walk forward with it. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder, I have a lot of people in my midst. Hey people, (laughs) how about if you guys set yourselves up out there and I will come and tell you when we're done with our thing in here. Here we go. Love school. That's so excited to be in school. Look yes. Go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you have an exercise for us to do, and I am all ready. Well, I've been the last few days really trying to understand um, 
oh, some of what we talked about last time. What's really going on inside that I either can't describe or that I can't see. Um, and a lot of the readings talk about just having people talk about their fears or us recognizing our own fears. Um, but this exercise was, was really about how to uh, spot your blind spots. So I've started to do this. I won't say I'm finished. And I would never ask a coachee or you, uh, my friend, um, to do anything I haven't done myself. I believe that. So I don't want to embarrass or pull anything out that you wouldn't want to share. Mm -hmm. But if you're game. I am game. We could start and see what you're comfortable with. And then I can share what I've done too. Yes, please. Okay. I just got done reading about how um, one of the things that we do to keep ourselves small is that we omit our own story. Mm. So I'm ready. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pay attention to the stories of uh, women I trust and I'm going to pay attention to my own story. Okay. Okay. So I think this is very helpful, especially at work. So for those in our uh, instigating women and friends group that are working, this might be really helpful, um, but it also pulled stuff out personally too. So it still applies um, to me and, and others who might have a much smaller work group right now. Okay. All right. So it really just starts with the question of think about people that you can't stand. You just can't stand them. Okay. These could be people that you are around at work. These could be people you're around at home. <laughs> or they could be out there on the national news, but let's try to bring it home. Okay, because I was thinking of two, two uh, old white men in particular that are on the national stage that I can't stand mm -hmm. um, and often wish ill will to. Um, but I can try to bring it closer to home. Let me think about that. Okay. Ooh, I've got one. I've got one. And they can be things about people you can't stand. They can be little things. They can be little things that just bug the hell out of you and they shut. Okay. And they don't bug the hell out of other people, and you don't quite know why it just gets to you. Okay. Now, describe those things. Don't tell me the person, don't use names, but describe, you know, what is coming up for you about people you can't stand? Arrogance is the number one okay. thing. Um, and arrogance isn't just in this context, I know a lot, right? I have a lot of experience and expertise and knowledge. It's making it known over and over that what I have to say and what I have to offer is more important than what anyone else has to say or has to offer. And my knowledge is more valid because I have degrees um, and titles 
to defend that knowledge or to to make it more credible than what people may have experienced like on the ground at work mm-hmm. um it's a scholarly arrogance okay okay so what i've been reading and i don't know whether it's true or not but let's assume for a moment it could be true is that the things that you admire about people and love in other people are those very things that you love about yourself and you might need to draw in a little bit more of conversely those things you can't stand about people are those things that are also within you Mm. that you can't stand about yourself Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay. Now, it may take a different perspective. It may not come out in you in the same way, or um, it might be something that you've really submerged and you keep inside of you and it doesn't come out very often, like some of those repressed emotions I've talked about before except for when you're stressed or when you're tired or when you're overwhelmed and then it Mm -hmm. might pop out Mm -hmm. and it could even be something that is a gift it could be something if used effectively and respectfully could give you power positive power Mm. however you learned long ago that it was negative. Somebody told you it was negative and you stuffed it inside and you haven't really pulled it back out to look at it, to think about how it could be utilized as a gift. Yeah, I, I, I'm tracking with you and I do see the connection um, between what I just talked about and myself. And, and, and I think I understand where it comes from too, but, um, but keep going. I don't want to get, I don't want to get uh, ahead of us. Where do we go now? Yeah. Um, we'll just, just talk about it a little bit. Um, arrogance. So what you're making me think about is like, why do I dislike somebody coming across as arrogance and what is that really about? I think if I get underneath the word arrogance, it's about knowing and that, that, that often at work, who knows can become a competition. Okay. Right. And, and I think that for me, the idea of knowing and of being right about my knowing is how I tend to feel safe. Mm. And what is triggered when the person who's probably also trying to feel safe and that's why they're putting their knowing out there, right? I mean, that's the thing. Maybe this is the point of the exercise is to get me to have empathy and to step away from the competition aspect of it um, with the person who makes me feel really annoyed and um and sort of t- makes me want to pull away from them. 
um, because I think that that really, in my family system, I am regularly accused of having to be right. Hmm. <laughs> um, I think I was telling you earlier about how we're moving and my, I made a diagram of the place yeah. we're moving to and that included all the rooms so that I could make the mapping of where all of our stuff's going to go. Yes. And my husband decided to redraw the diagram. And, and how did that make you feel? Um, yeah, it made me feel like he was saying that he knew better what the layout is of the new house. And I was looking at his diagram and I was, I was very motivated to point out how similar his diagram was to mine. And then to turn to him and say, why did you feel you needed to do this? I'm sensing that you were more than motivated. <laughs> I, I, I think you were honked off, pissed off. I was, and I was wondering why he thought he was right. I think I heard those things a little earlier. Yeah, we basically got in a competition over who was right about it, it, it came down to the the garage, the door to the garage and how close it is to the kitchen. Okay. That's and really important stuff, right? Really important, Glenn. It's really important. And it's really important that he acknowledged that he didn't need to redraw my diagram. It was good enough the way that it was. Uh-huh. Because it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, it was a perfect diagram. It was the best diagram anyone's ever drawn. <laughs> yeah, you can't even imagine a diagram this good, Glenn. Mm. So, okay, so I get it. <laughs> that's, that's powerful. Now I have empathy for that, that person or people. It's not, it's often not just one person. It's, it's the people that come at uh, a problem or a process from the starting position that they're knowing yeah. is the best knowing. And we should all use their knowing instead of ours because ours doesn't come from a place that has a degree associated with it. It comes from lived experience. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And it makes you feel unsafe. It makes me feel unsafe because I don't have the same number of degrees to put next to their knowing. My knowing is only from my lived experience. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, that's right at the root of it. Mm -hmm. So is there anything to dig in even further as you think over the next few weeks and reflect about this um, any ways to maybe address it with you or yourself or either, either with that other person differently mm -hmm. than you have in the past? Well, I think what I'm going to do is play around in the work setting. It often comes up on our operations calls. Okay. Um, and in in other settings it's come up in big meetings um and i think i'm going to look for ways to acknowledge the knowing of the other person and to acknowledge the value of their knowing 
but also introduce an opportunity for other people to share their lived experience. Um, so I, that's what I'm gonna really ponder is how can I be a bridge in that setting? Because usually it's not me that's um, contributing the knowing. Okay. A, a lot of times it's not me, but more I'm observing it and it's triggering me. Okay. And I noticed you use the word bridge. Yes. How can I be a bridge between the, di the different parties so that everyone's knowing and everyone's experience is welcomed? Mm -hmm. And you know, that also connects to the concept of an inclusive environment, you know, which I think we're all, we're all trying to be better at. And so that's maybe the lens that I can introduce it from. Um, now at home, that's a different story. And a different reflection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that might take a little more work. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. <laughs> it, it's all work. We're all practicing, right? Yes, but yes, but I think the question is going to be, how can I make room as we move house, we move houses, how can I make room for other people to have opinions that are relevant and are important about where stuff goes and what our new space looks like? Mm -hmm. And think through your bridge analogy. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, um, you and your husband are doing this. What about the kids? How, how do you bridge the opinions of the kids into the process? That is something that I've been thinking about in the last couple of weeks because our home now, um, it's nice, but as my son said, it's not cozy. Huh. And he really is wanting to have more of a cozy space. And okay. so... I think I have to invite the kids to tell us what cozy means to them. Mm -hmm. And then of course my husband's gonna think that this is a um, tactic that I'm using to get to go to Target because Target is my Disneyland and I can do a lot of damage there. Back to retail <laughs> therapy. <laughs> That's my retail therapy. And I've been really good lately. I have not gone to Target and <laughs> over a month so all right well it is what it is <laughs> you have every right to go to target yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to spend money i don't have it target yeah oh well that's it'll come just, that's so very american of me to <laughs> spend money i don't have that's, that's why they have credit that's right. I know. That's what I want to say to my husband. That's that's what it's all about. I'm thinking about our credit score, honey, because you know right. you gotta you gotta use credit to build credit. Totally, yeah. I'm with you for sure. <laughs> so I do want to show you what I my little exercise. Yes, because I want you to freak out about how similar. Okay, <laughs> and to know you're not alone. Okay, so. Here's, here's my, you know, I have stuff too, not just you with your little wall. 
Oh my god. So my top thing was I can't stand the brazen bully with a cause. And what can I notice and learn from this by just letting go or unlearning? Um, I've learned that I too can champion a cause at work and probably drive people crazy. Now I do it because I think I've got a good cause, you know, the patient, the cost of care is too high. We need to reduce our prices, you know, but I did the same darn thing, but I just mm. felt like my cause was a good cause. <laughs> I didn't recognize their cause as necessarily being so good. Um, and what can I unlearn? Um, I can unlearn the lack of listening that that posture inherently creates. I can listen more deeply about what the risks are um, when people are passionate about a cause. I can recognize the fear and barriers, real or perceived. <laughs> Um, that they are trying to express that I'm not listening to. Um, and at work, we started to call that stuff undiscussables. Hmm. And we actually took five, 10 minutes at the end of several meetings that were contentious and said, or to start the conversation, what are the undiscussables? What are the things you normally wouldn't bring up right now? Um, because you might not feel safe or you might not think your opinion is valid among the rest of the group. And, and that was helpful. Um, and then in this section, I have to remember what my mom always said, actions speak louder than words. Mm -hmm. So stop using my mouth so much when I'm passionate um, at work and use my eyes, use my ears, um, and then do what I can within my control Mm -hmm. with my own group and call it good. And then if it really is a great idea, others will figure that out and ask me about it. And if it's not a great idea for others, they won't. And if it just works for my team, call it good. And then on this side, what do I notice about this that I can learn from and amplify in the right way and start to experiment a little bit? you know, in the same brazen bully with a cause, I didn't do that personally. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really do that publicly at all. I was always afraid to use my voice. I was afraid to be judged. I was afraid mm -hmm. a hater would come out. I was afraid I really didn't know enough. I hadn't been researched enough. And so personally, and now in my own company, I am learning that a respectful opinion may just be the voice others need to hear at that moment in time. And they can choose whether to listen to my voice and my opinion or not. Mm. And, you know, I really have to think through if I put something out there, um, what's really the worst thing that can happen? It's probably not that bad. Mm -hmm. I probably can live through it. I've lived through yeah. worse. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's caused me to experiment with social media. Ah, the instigating women and friends on Facebook and YouTube, and hopefully we'll go to Apple podcast soon. Um, and, and I'm really proud of that. And, and I am hopeful um, that this will be a brazen way to support a cause. Don't want to be a bully. Um, certainly. Yeah. And then I had others too. I had, you know, the fighter uh, at work 
I had the eye roller at work and I recognize I've got some of that stuff in me too. Mm. Yeah, the eye roller. Gosh, I've got two of those living in my house right now. They're 12 and 13. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with the eye roller? I just, um, yeah. When you got the eye roller at home, you just sit down and ask to talk and learn to ask questions. Okay. Instead, the eye roll itself is just one of the most um, informal body language things you can throw at people that is yeah. filled with disrespect, which is an instant signal you don't like what they said, you don't agree with what they said, you think they're full of crap. Um, and, and what I learned, I didn't eye roll at work, but other people did. Yeah. It just, oh, it triggered in me this, ugh. Oh. Um, but uh, what I recognized is I eye rolled internally mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. work. And if you're busy eye rolling, you're not listening, you're not trying to seek answer, because you're not asking questions, you've immediately reacted and cut them off. Yeah. And you know, on my little list on that one, it, I really do believe most people have a lot in common. I mm -hmm. really do. And I really do believe um, most of the time people are well-intended. Yeah. And so now when I feel the eye roll start, whether in me or physically, I get back to, let's assume this person has positive intent. Yeah. Let's assume this person is actually a lot like me. And maybe again, this is time for me to shut my mouth, <laughs> lean yeah. in and ask some questions. Help yeah. me understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. That, that um, is one of the, tactics that Tara Moore recommends okay. is um, when you're in that fear place that you switch over to being curious, which is what you're talking about, right? right? And that it often can be the bridge for you to move to a different place that is, um, that is more open and that is um, able to look for that common ground. Yeah, which is also what you're talking about, which, you know, is always easier said than done, mm -hmm. but, um, but is worth the effort and the energy. And it often does ultimately move us away from that place of fear and defensiveness and anger. Right. Um, and as the icon, Helen Reddy says, I'm still an embryo with a long, long way to go <laughs> until I make my brother understand. Yes. I do have a question for you. Yes. You mentioned this off the record last week, but I feel like we need to pull it in to close our session today because it made me laugh. Last election, you had a way of coping Yes. <laughs> Can you share? Yes. Um, 
Oh, God, my poor husband probably hopes I don't use this coping strategy again. Um, so I went into a, a deep, uh, dark hole for about 30 days emotionally, and then I decided that I couldn't stay there. So I went on the Nextdoor app, which we have in our, uh, in our community, and I found some free chickens. <laughs> and <laughs> I went and I picked up the chickens. And uh, I named them uh, Hillary Chickton and Ellen DeChickeris. <laughs> and I ordered a chicken coop online because you can get anything online. Yes, and you so I ordered, I ordered a chicken coop <laughs> and I called my husband who was away on a business trip and I left him a message and I said, oh, hi, honey. Um, yeah, when you get home this weekend, I have a little project for you. I, I got us some chickens. And uh, I ordered a coop, and I'm going to need you to put it together. Thanks. Travel safe. Love you. Yeah. You know what the problem with chickens is in the Pacific Northwest? Oh. Is that it rains a lot, and cleaning up chicken poop uh -huh. in the rain uh. is really disgusting, and it makes you not want to eat the eggs. Oh. No. So that little project only lasted six months, but it did the trick. It was effective coping for me. It pulled me out of my deep, dark hole. So I don't know what's going to happen this time if we lose llamas, goats. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah. And, and some of our network may not live in the Pacific Northwest and may want to go out and buy some chickens. Right. If you don't live in the Pacific <laughs> Northwest, chickens, they're very nice, actually. Yeah. They're nice animals. And they give eggs. And they give eggs. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I will be getting my eggs from the store uh, from now on. But um, but other people, yes, they, they they give they lay an egg every day, it turns yeah. out. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> All right, my friend. Good. Yeah, thanks for this. Those are really helpful, really good exercises. Good, me too. It's embarrassing. I'm like, mm -hmm. what? What? Mm -hmm. Raisin bully, I couldn't stand. You mean I got mm -hmm. the name? Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I it didn't do it quite in the same way, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep. Mm. Yeah, that's an uncomfortable truth that uh, you got to introduce me to about myself today. So thank you. Ah, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm here for you. <laughs> Talk soon. Bye. Bye.